0: Hey everyone, thanks for tuning into this Vetfolio podcast episode where we'll be talking to Dr. Kristen Kirkby Shaw about osteoarthritis in dogs. We're familiar with osteoarthritis, or OA, in our older patients, especially if they're large breed, but it's actually far more common than that. In this podcast, we'll discuss the latest information about diagnosing and managing canine OA, including an evidence based client checklist and OA screening exam to help facilitate diagnosis as early as possible. Our guest today, Dr. Kirkby Shaw, is a small animal surgeon and rehabilitation specialist. Throughout her career, she's focused on bridging the gap between these two disciplines with a specific emphasis on treatment of arthritis. Dr. Kirkby Shaw received her DVM from the University of Florida in 2003. Go Gators! She also completed a small animal surgery residency, Master's of Science, and PhD at the University of Florida. She became a diplomate of the American College of Veterinary Surgery in 2009 and a diplomate of the American College of Veterinary Sports Medicine and Rehabilitation in 2013. Currently, she's a managing partner and surgeon at Animal Surgical and Orthopedic Center in Seattle and medical director of the rehabilitation department, Sound Veterinary Rehabilitation Center. Dr. Kirk B. Shaw founded CARE, which stands for Canine Arthritis Resources and Education, in 2019 to provide evidence-based resources and tools for those caring for dogs with arthritis. All right. Dr. Kirk B. Shaw, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. We're so excited to have you to talk about osteoarthritis. So let's first talk about how common osteoarthritis is in dogs. So we're familiar with it in large breeds and in older dogs, but is it more common than that?
1: Yeah, you know, it is. Osteoarthritis is really more common than pet owners and even veterinarians recognize. I remember learning the statistic that one in five dogs or 20% of dogs were affected by OA a long time ago, and that's a statistic that still kind of sticks around. But newer research is really showing that the number is closer to probably 40% of dogs. And, you know, like you mentioned, there's this misconception that it only affects older large breed dogs, which just really isn't true. It can affect any breed of dog, any age and every size.
0: No kidding, 40%. That's way more common than I ever would have expected. What are some of the causes that we see for osteoarthritis?
1: Yeah, so in dogs, canine OA almost always develops secondary to an underlying joint condition. So things like developmental orthopedic diseases like hip dysplasia, elbow dysplasia, then things like cruciate ligament rupture or joint trauma. And, you know, just by nature, developmental orthopedic diseases are present in young dogs. And so OA is actually going to start developing within the first year of life. And, you know, you mentioned initially about the the large breed dogs versus small breed dogs. There's lots of small breed dogs out there that have these developmental joint disorders, such as like MPL. So those dogs are also going to develop OA.
0: Yeah, things that you don't really think about with these younger, smaller dogs, but we really need to be keeping in mind. I know that when dogs do develop osteoarthritis, the changes aren't always really apparent. They can be kind of subtle. So, what kind of behavioral changes do we see in dogs that might indicate that they have osteoarthritis?
1: Yeah, that's really important. You know, the OA and chronic pain results in changes in mobility, but also personality. So, there's quite a few examples, such as lagging behind on walks panting more heavily, restlessness, you know, stiffness when getting up, decreased ability to jump like onto the couch or onto the bed, difficulty with stairs or literally just sitting at the bottom of the stairs or top of the stairs refusing to go up and down. One's like not getting up to greet the owner when they come home and some more subtle things like avoiding going into rooms that don't have carpet or sleeping more and even licking areas excessively. But the one that kind of gets me is limping like I'm shocked that so many clients don't recognize that lameness is actually a sign of pain so you know it's really important to have clients understand all of the signs and symptoms of OA but I also really like to ask some questions about their dog's personality such as do they seem sad dull depressed reclusive or is there new aggression towards other animals or people these personality (laughs) changes are actually signs of chronic pain
0: That's a really good point. If I can just share a little personal experience, even being a veterinarian who's trained to look for this. I saw that in my own dog, you know, and I attributed more to signs of aging. And Mm -hmm. you're absolutely right. Because once I started treating her for arthritis, all of that changed. and, And then I felt really bad that I hadn't started treating her sooner. So we know we need to be looking for osteoarthritis Uh, Pretty commonly, it sounds like, what kind of testing would you recommend to screen dogs for OA?
1: Yeah, the the best way to screen is actually using a checklist. And, you know, the one that I really like was developed by Zoetis, and it's an evidence-based checklist that shows clients six common activities associated with OA. And then asks a few additional questions about the emotional or personality component of OA. They found that this checklist was able to screen dogs that were presented for wellness exams that were then diagnosed with OA by their veterinarian. So what's nice about this is using a checklist actually opens the door to having a more in-depth conversation about OA. And this particular Zoetis checklist is available online at oachecklist.com which is really nice because it allows the pet owners to complete the checklist online and bring it to their appointment. In addition to using a checklist, I also recommend incorporating an OA screening exam into the general physical exam.
0: So can you elaborate a little bit more on what your osteoarthritis screening exam involves?
1: Yeah, so the purpose of the screening exam is to incorporate it into otherwise general physical exam, and it shouldn't take more than really one to two minutes to complete the results of the screening are not expected to diagnose a specific orthopedic disease, but rather suggest that a further orthopedic or more in-depth exam is needed. So it includes seven different components. It includes observing gait prior to the physical exam. It's not like a full gait analysis, but just watching the dog walk around. Posture, so watching how the dog stands. Transitions, how does a dog move? from a down to a stand if you ask them to stand up? Or how do they move from a stand to a sit? Muscle atrophy, so just palpating the dog for muscle symmetry from one side to the other. What we know, especially about the pelvic limbs, is that if there's muscle atrophy that you can feel with your hands, there's a really strong chance that there's uh, something going on, especially in the stifle. Number five is joint swelling or effusion. So again, just with that dog standing, palpating for joint swelling and effusion, Number six is palpation of the paraspinal muscles, so just kind of right on the side of the spine looking for trigger points and spasms. I find a lot of dogs that have arthritis of the hips or the pelvic limbs tend to, as I say to clients, hold a lot of tension in their back. And so as you palpate along there, you'll see these little spasms in their back muscles. And then the last one is just three-legged stand. So picking up each leg individually and seeing how willing the dog is to stand on the other limbs. And this is just a cursory kind of test for weakness in the other limbs. And so I do, I have a whole video and a whole kind of handout about how to do this screening exam on caninearthritis.org.
0: Caninearthritis.org. That's, Perfect. I'm definitely going to check that out because I think we'll find a lot of dogs earlier than what we would find otherwise.
1: Yeah. You know, I still do surgery and I incorporate this screening exam into a, you know, if I'm just doing an exam for a soft tissue sarcoma or something like that, I will still incorporate this kind of screening exam. So I have a whole big picture of, of what the dog is, is dealing with. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's a great idea.
0: Absolutely, because sometimes these changes can be really subtle and mm-hmm. so keeping a an accurate log at in kind of in real time makes a big difference for them. When we're talking about non-steroidal drugs, do you recommend using them
1: intermittently
0: kind of as needed or more of a continuous regimen? That's
1: a, a really great question. And I think one that comes up a lot and for me, as long as there's no contraindications to use or adverse events using the medication, I recommend starting with at least a three-month course of NSAIDs. You know, there are studies that show that dogs on NSAIDs continue to improve month after month after month with continuous use of NSAIDs. And so, if the CSOM is showing dramatic improvement within three months, I may consider decreasing to a more as-needed basis, but that's a period of time where I want those clients to be keeping their journal very closely and return in about two to four weeks for another CSOM. If there's any setbacks, we're going to Put that dog right back onto the set as long as they were tolerating it and probably continue to use it continuously, but monitor blood work as appropriate. Absolutely.
0: What kind of things do you recommend that owners do at home for their pets with osteoarthritis?
1: (laughs) Well, you know, I think the most important one is one that most owners don't like to hear, but covering those hardwood and slick floors with carpets, rugs, yoga mats, anything that gives the dog traction. I really can't overemphasize how important that is. If there's stairs in the house, they should also be carpeted or have treads added to them.
0: Absolutely. The the trail of yoga mats through the house. Exactly.
1: I know. <laughs> but you can actually get some pretty cute carpets and rugs on Amazon these days. So You can. You can. <laughs> yeah.
0: I agree. And definitely it makes a big difference for yeah. them. What about explaining this to clients, especially when we're not talking about large breed older dogs? What resources do you use to help clients understand osteoarthritis?
1: Well, you know, I, this is my passion. So I spend a lot of time in the exam room talking to clients, but I also provide them really detailed handouts that I've written, as well as any information on any particular products that I may be recommending. But I know that those clients are going to go home and turn to Dr. Google, and there's a lot of A lot of information, some misinformation out there on the internet. So I actually created a website called caninearthritis.org, and it provides practical evidence-based information for both pet owners and veterinarians. The site is free, and it's meant to help all vets out there continue that OA conversation beyond the exam room. The website also has resources for vets, including the CSOM and orthopedic screening tool that I mentioned earlier. That's fantastic because you're absolutely right there. A lot of clients are going to go home and they're going to turn to
0: the internet. So to be able to say, yes, go do that, but this is a trusted site that's going to give you the information that you need.
1: Yep. That's what I'm hoping for. Fantastic.
0: (laughs) So this has been a great talk about osteoarthritis. I feel like we've learned a lot. Do you have any final thoughts you want to share with us?
1: Yeah. You know, I could talk about OA all day, every day, but you know, I think The thing to remember is that while OA is not a new disease, we're still learning more and more about it and the mechanisms of action all the time. So what this means is that we're also getting new ways to treat and manage the disease. Really quite excited about some of the novel therapeutics that will be coming out in the future, and I hope that they're probably going to change the way that we treat OA and, and provide options for those dogs that may still be painful despite all the tools that we currently have available. Well, fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on and talking to us about this. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure.
0: And thank you, everyone, for joining us. And thank you to Zoetis for sponsoring this event. If you'd like to find out more about this and other exciting podcasts, click on the Education tab on Vetfolio's portal. As always, we'd love to hear your input on this session as well as ideas for topics you'd like to hear from us in the future. Feel free to reach out to me at dvm at and You can also visit my Facebook page at DrCassieDVM, and you can find me on LinkedIn. And remember, if one animal is better off because of you today, it's a great day.